take that verse this morning, and I want us to think of it in context of, of certain areas about which we should be praying. And this, this lesson is, is based upon the outline of what we did yesterday at, at Depot Park in terms of areas of focus, areas in which there needs to be not just teaching from the Bible, but for those who would hold themselves out as being righteous. And that's not a, a boast. It's, it's a righteousness that comes from a relationship with God. It's a righteousness that's based not upon works or anything that you or I would do, but it's a righteousness that comes about as the result of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We, we are justified based upon His blood, and we can claim to be the righteous because of what God has done for us, but we also understand that there is a standard of righteousness, and we are to seek to live our lives in accordance with that standard. Well, what will be the prayer? Of the righteous. One who is focused upon doing right things. One who understands that there is a difference between what is right and, and what is wrong. And there are to be areas in which we give much consideration based upon the evils that we would see about us. What are some of those areas? Well, there were four areas that we uh, focused on yesterday, both in prayer, in song, and in comments that were made. The first of which was the family. Devin Allen, who's a member of the church at Hansville, got up and presented a few thoughts on the subject of family, and he did it with a lot of passion and a lot of energy, and I greatly appreciated the things that, that he said. But if you think about what's taking place in our culture, if you think about what's taking place in our society, what has traditionally been seen as family is being changed. It's being rewritten. That is what the Bible teaches of what makes up a family. And as far as tradition, tradition of men, well, if it's a tradition that plums with the Word of God, then it's a good tra tradition. But, but tradition really doesn't matter. What does matter, however, is, is what the Bible says about the family. God has defined marriage as that which exists between a man and a woman. Culture is trying to redefine marriage as that which could be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Well, we need to be praying for our families that our families are not influenced by the thinking of the world. We need to be praying for our families that fathers will be what they're called to be. And we know from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, fathers are called to be those who would bring up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Fathers are to be leaders in the home. They are to be the ones who take charge. They are to be the ones who are teaching standards of righteousness and encouraging their children to follow those standards. Mothers are taught or to be taught by the older women. We see this in Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, that they, they are to be taught to love their husbands. They are to love their children. God's plan for the... Family is not complicated. 
but it's being challenged. It's being broken down by those who want us to redefine what it means to be a family. And if we're not taking that seriously, and if we're not lifting our voices up in prayer to God, then there's going to continue to be victories in those areas. And what we need to be concerned about is that those victories can reach down and they can touch our individual families. There's something that's said there in Titus chapter 2 also that I want you to think about. He says in verse 4 that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. But if you look at the latter part of verse 5, he says, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Well, I would take that latter statement and apply it to everything that is said about the family in the scriptures. And when we fail to give emphasis to how God defines the family and to live our lives that way, God's word is being dishonored. Is God's word being dishonored in society today? Does our culture really care? No, it doesn't. Our society, and I'm not speaking of everyone, but there is an element of society that simply does not care what God says. We need to be praying for strong families. We also need to be praying for our community. We need to be praying that we as children of God can be lights in our community. Trent spoke about this yesterday in, in the gathering. And as we think about community, well, you know, we, maybe we don't like to just think about community in terms of our Christianity, but let's face it. We live in a community. We're influenced by the thinking of our community. And we have a responsibility as children of God to be the lights in this world. We have a responsibility as children of God, as disciples of Jesus, to be the salt of the earth. We are to preserve that which is good, and we are to make the world taste better, if you will. And that's what salt does. It preserves, and it makes it better. And I need to be praying for my community so that there will be an environment that is conducive to the spread of the gospel, both through examples of godly families, but also through simple communication of the message of the gospel. Think about the prayer that is encouraged in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And typically we take this and, and we think, well, he's telling us to pray for the president. Well, he's telling us to pray in these verses for men in positions of authority. Pray, first of all, he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, I urge entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Sometimes we want to limit our prayer life to brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I do need to be praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I can't live my life in this vacuum that does not accept the fact that my life is going to be in, uh, affected by my community and my community is going to be affected by government. For kings, verse 2, and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you thank God for opportunities that exist now 
in this nation that allow us to freely speak of what we believe, that allow us to freely speak of the gospel. Are we praying that that might continue? Well, that prayer is going to influence our community. It's going to determine the extent to which we are able to shine our lights without interference. That responsibility will not go away if government, as it did during the first century, toward the end of the first century, if government begins to set itself against Christianity, that's not going to diminish at all my responsibility to be light and to be salt. It's just going to make it more difficult. It's going to make it much more difficult. And it's for that and many other reasons that I should be praying for those who are in positions of authority so that we can continue to have this environment that allows us to assemble and to worship, that allows us to put the message of God out there so that others might be saved. We need to be praying so that that will continue. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 12 that I am the light of the world, speaking of himself. And he says, he who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, that's a promise. That's a benefit. That's a blessing. But it also carries with it an obligation, does it not? If he is the light of the world, and he has called me to be the light of the world, and if I'm going to walk in him, then I'm not going to walk in the darkness, then what that means is as the darkness gets darker, then my light's going to have to shine even brighter. And I need to be praying for my community, for opportunities, for an environment that I might be able to continue to do that. Another area for which we prayed at our gathering yesterday was for boldness and courage. Uh, Greg Perkins prayed for that and spoke a few comments on that. And if you ever want to find someone who is not afraid to say, who is not afraid to speak, uh, and who is bold and courageous, you just, you just go and talk to Greg. I mean, he, he, he will go up, he'll talk to anybody, uh, he'll speak the truth unashamedly. He brought maybe 15 or so of the members from the church in Alberville yesterday to attend and to be with us. One of their members drove on his own. Uh, Benicio drove up from West Blockton to be a part and to in encourage the, the effort that was being made. And as we think about our lives as, as Christians, as praying for strong families, as praying for our community, that takes courage. It takes courage. And it takes boldness. And it's taking more courage and boldness now than it ever has. We don't even have to go out of Mayberry anymore <laughs> to be exposed to those who are standing openly in opposition to God's will, to God's plan. For years, we've simply had to deal with denominationalism. We've had to deal with religious area in, in matters of religious practice. We're, we're going far beyond that now. Everyone here knows somebody who in a family has come out. And that's all I'll say about that. But we need to pray for boldness and courage so that we will speak out so that we will stand up for what is right. 
And Jesus knew that his disciples, they, were, they lived in an environment that, that is, was far worse than, than ours. You know, we talk about heading in the, this direction, and I think most of us would agree that if the tide doesn't turn, then we're going to find ourselves in a situation similar to what they found during the first century. Incidentally, on that matter, I was having a conversation with Greg a few weeks ago when he was in Coleman, and we went out to eat together, um, and he was talking about his son who wants to go and work with the church in El Prat in Spain, not in Barcelona, but in an area that's close to it. And his son has not been able to find an apartment. Now, they have apartments for, for lease. They have apartments for rent. But I'm, I'm going to tell you what socialism does. And I saw, I saw this to a certain extent when I was there. But it's gotten worse. And, you know, we, we, uh, we hear this talk of socialism in, in our country, and, and there are so many. All right, what's the big deal? Let's just go for it. What's the big deal? Well, you can't lease an apartment. You can't rent an apartment because people are stopping the renting of apartments for this reason. If you rent an apartment, you go to the grocery store or any other place for that matter, and you come back. If another family, if you left your door unlocked and another family moves in or someone just breaks in, and sets up house in your apartment, the police cannot remove them. Police cannot remove them. That's how bad this socialistic idea, this changing of the laws and the way we think about property and equality and everything else has gotten, and that's in other countries. I don't know if I believe it or not, but Greg said we're about 10 years away from that. Well, we need to pray for boldness and courage, not just in that matter. In, in the final scheme, I think we probably have some ways to address that, which may or may not exist 10 years from now. But as far as preaching the gospel, in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Well, to lose heart means to become discouraged. And when we become discouraged, we lose our boldness. To be discouraged is to lose courage. And when we become discouraged and when we lose courage, we stop speaking. We stop standing up. We, we look for the path of least resistance. It's so easy, is it not, what we have now? Coming here is the easiest thing you'll do as a Christian. It's easy in the comfort of this church building to speak. I will tell you, I was a bit anxious about uh, what would happen yesterday. Not so much from any fear. I really wasn't afraid of what might show up. But I was concerned about whether or not I would speak as I should. I was concerned about whether I would say things that I should say. And I didn't want to close a door before a door was open. And so it takes courage once we get outside our comfort zone of a church building to begin to speak the truth. It takes boldness to be in a position and to be able to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you think about the environment at Corinth. I mean, it was a sinful city. And there was a church in that city. 
And Paul, in writing to this church, in verse 13 of chapter 16, wrote, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong. We need to hear that message, and we need to pray that we'll have that boldness, and that we'll have that courage. And then finally, pray for those lost in sin. Billy Randolph, who preaches and is an elder at the church at Fourth uh, Street, uh, spoke on this matter. Pray for those lost in sin. John 3.16. Is in the country music song out now, isn't there? John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16. Well, it's one of those verses that is so familiar that sometimes we just forget what it really says. God so loved the world. The world. The Bible, the Bible speaks, and we're not talking about the creation. We're, we're talking about that world that exists and that stands in opposition to the plan and the purpose of God. It was that world that God loved. It was that world that God loved so much that he was moved to sacrifice his only begotten son. There are challenges now, questions being raised about the love of God. Well, who among us? Who among us would put to death our only child so that the vilest of sinners could be saved? There, is no, there are no degrees of sin. There are degrees in terms of consequences, but sin is sin. When, when, you, when you've sinned, you've transgressed. You have missed the mark. And, and God is going to save any sinner. Just as any sin will condemn, the love of God will forgive any sin that one might ever commit. And I need to be praying for those who are lost. As despicable and deplorable as the act of sin Maybe I need to be praying for them. And if I'm not praying for them, then I'm probably not loving them so as to reach out and to touch them with the gospel. You think about the Jewish nation. They are the ones who rejected the message of Christ. They are the ones who crucified him. Paul was a part of that people. And we see in Romans chapter 12, chapter 10 and verse 1, his love for them in these words, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. You think about those who stand in opposition to the plan and purpose of God. You think about those, even those that we've been speaking about today who are, who are just seeking to destroy the family unit who are seeking to destroy our communities and who are causing us to have to be as, as bold and courageous as we ever have been. Do we share the attitude of the Apostle Paul when it comes to those? My heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. That must be my spirit. That must be my heart. And I must be praying for those who are lost in sin. And it is that, that prayer that will make me mindful of that need and my responsibility to share 
the good news with those. This last is yours. Let's now go to God in prayer.